0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. This is a Design for Living meeting, big book meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. My name is Francesca and I am a compulsive eater and your chairperson today. To open the meeting, let us have a moment of quiet meditation followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. We start this meeting by remembering our common purpose, to extend the heart and hand of the OA fellowship to those who still suffer. Let us be mindful of OA's unity with diversity policy, which respects our differences, yet unites us in the solution to our common problem. Whatever problem you may have with food, you are welcome at this meeting. Today, we are delighted to have Larry K. joining us to share his experience, strength, and hope. Focus on step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. I would now like to welcome Larry um, to the group. Thank you, Larry, and um, good afternoon.
1: Yeah, no, thank you so much, and, you know, thanks for inviting me. Uh, I know that you know, it takes a lot of people, it takes a village, right? It takes a village to put these things on. And, uh, I, you know, I, I just, uh, anytime I get to speak at a meeting, um, I, just, I, I'm, I just have a tremendous amount of gratitude because um, this disease um, of compulsive eating, um, it beat me down pretty good. And I came in a number of years ago and you, you, you wouldn't have recognized me physically um, 100 pounds heavier, approximately. And by the way, I wasn't uh, born heavy or wasn't heavy when I was younger. That, but I was always a compulsive overeater. Um, but I think more importantly, you would not have recognized me. Nobody was looking for Larry K, I can assure you. You know, nobody, nobody was looking for my advice or looking for me to carry a message of any kind. Um, but um, but today, by the grace of my higher power, uh, God. Um, You know, I'm in this recovered state of being right this recovered state of being that's talked about in the, in the big book. And, um, and for that, you know, I'm tremendously grateful so I'm delighted to be here. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, I could be of, of help to somebody so yeah we're going to talk about step eight, and it's like okay, step eight, make the list, make the damn list right. Well, glad you all, glad you all came. That's tremendous. You know, we, we just handled step eight. Now we'll, we'll get to step eight, but I, but I really want to start, uh, um, by talking a little bit, um, leading up to it, you know, because, you know, what, what I think that whenever I give talks, um, about this program of, of recovery, um, inevitably, you know, this spiritual practical program of action, when I, when I talk about it, I inevitably think about a couple of things and I think about redemption um, and I think about freedom. And I think about the question of how free do you want to be? And um, I remember coming to my first meeting and, oh my gosh, first it was all women. So what the hell am I doing here? I'm this psychologist, you know, uh, and most of us newsflash, we all have our own problems. It's partly why we we got into that field, uh, perhaps, uh, but it certainly was for me. But I came into a meeting and I went to a meeting miles and miles away from where I practiced my profession because, oh, my gosh, I, I, what if I run into someone, you know, you know that, that, you know, I mean, the, the shame and embarrassment that I have. Um, meanwhile, I'm walking around 100 pounds heavier and, uh, you know, but I felt even in my profession, I felt very shameful. And uh, this disease really beat me into a state of reasonableness, you know. And, uh, but coming into that room, um, you know, uh, I heard, we speak, it's, it's interesting, we speak the, a certain language. There's no special handshake or anything like that. But we speak a special language, we speak the language of the heart. And that language translates, whether you're in Australia, I've, been, I've had the privilege of speaking, even when there's translation, um, you know, in other, in other countries and so forth. And there's something about the language of the heart. There's something about this program of spiritual action which leads to redemption and leads to transformation and it's very powerful. It's been very powerful in my life and so I'm here to talk about some animals. I'm here to talk about, I'm going to start by talking about um, baby elephants. You didn't think you'd come and hear about baby elephants but you're going to hear about baby elephants and and I'll tie it back. You know, I want to tell a story about uh, baby elephants and how they I, by the way, I'm an animal lover, so when you hear this story, please know Larry's an animal lover. I have dogs and I have this, but but this story this story is intended to kind of get a point across because it really describes me. Maybe you'll you'll it'll resonate with you. The story of baby elephants, how they were trained in the circus. Now we don't see circuses as much anymore, but you know when I was a kid, and you still see them. But you know when they they take a baby elephant when it's just born it's small in comparison, right? And they, uh, they tie a rope and they place it around its neck, a heavy rope. And then they attach that rope to a very sturdy kind of secure pole. And obviously the baby elephant does what baby elephants do. They naturally try to you know, push and pull and, and get away. And, um, and, and uh, they try to, to walk away and they're stopped by the rope, right? And they push and pull and they twist and they turn, you know, and they do all these things and, you know, enough to break free of their shackles, but to no avail. So. So guess what? You know, over time, what happens is, is they learn that they're they're not. It's futile. They're they're not going to be able to get away. Right. And so they guess what? They stop resisting and they just eventually stay where they are. And then the next time again, the next day, the next week, they're still uh, tied up and they may try to get get away again. But, you know, soon they soon enough, they figure out it's 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 just not possible and they settle down and they stay where they are, you know. And, you know, it's interesting because this is repeated over and over again and eventually merely placing a rope over their neck, however small, however tiny you know, is enough to, to keep them uh, right where they are. And that's why in captivity, you can walk by a circus back when we had that sort of thing, right? And you can see giant elephants, elephants that are, st- you know, standing very passively. They're many tons, they're three and four and six tons at this point. And there's a little tiny rope around their neck. It's not secured to anything. Maybe a, a small handler is holding that that rope. And, you know, it's, it's and the rope itself is enough to keep that four or five ton elephant in place. If only they knew how powerful they were, you know, no rope, no secure pole is going to contain them. Right. And are we not like, am I not like that trained animal? Am I not in a self-imposed prison of my addiction? Have some of us not given up hope, you know, that even in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, that we are, you know, this isn't going to work for us. It's as though we are shackled to this disease, right, of compulsive eating. Maybe you're anorexic bulimic uh, of that variety of binge eater. Maybe you're, maybe you're, uh, you know, um, have a low physical bottom and you're three and four and five and 600 pounds. We, We come in all different shapes and sizes. We share a common illness. But the point is, is that have some of us maybe not given up you know, in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous? I think we have. Are we not often waiting? I know I was. Are we not often waiting for a rescue You know, and, and ensure that the best we could do is remain tethered to this disease and just keep coming to meetings and never really do anything and certainly never put the food down entirely. Before we embark on this practical program of action found in the steps, are we not just like that, that tethered elephant, but tethered to our disease? And we just stay put and we just look for kind of a pixie dust sort of recovery, hoping that I can get a little bit of what you have, you know, just by hanging out with you. Of course, I was just scared to, to do anything. And you know, having hope is tremendously important. It's really, really important. And I wish, I mentioned this recently because the thought occurred to me, I wish I had the hope. I wish hope came as naturally to me as it comes to my, my dog, okay? Now I have a mini golden doodle. It's really not my dog, it's my daughter's dog. But I get the privilege of, you know, hanging out with this mini golden doodle and her name's Cherry. And boy, does she, she teaches me every morning about hope because she loves, every morning, she loves to chase after birds, and I'll be damned, she never catches one single bird, no, not one. And sure enough, the next morning, she chases after the birds again. And I don't know if she'll ever catch a bird, and I don't think she will. But every morning she gets up and she chases after those birds. She loves to do that. She, the birds swoop down and land on the, the lawn, on the grass, and they search for food. And you know what? She chases after them. That's the type of hope that I want to bring to this. You know to this practical program of action. Um so, you know, that that's that's where, you know, where we start with this is we, you know, we kind of look at this and 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 um you know for me um when I when I got here, um I didn't I first of all, there's a couple of things I have to say. I did not come, I don't know about you, but I did not come to uh Overeaters Anonymous to have a spiritual awakening. That was the last thing on my mind. Right? Maybe you did. That's wonderful if you did, but I did not come here to have a spiritual awakening. I came here because I was fat. My clothes were horribly uncomfortable. My relationships were falling apart. I looked good on paper. You know, I was a psychologist. I taught at a local college. I could speak in front of people, but I would binge my brains out. Every day, I did the very thing that I did not want to do. And I told myself, and I would have passed a lie detector test if you put me up on it, that when I said, I am not going to compulsively eat today, I am not going to eat today. I meant it. And I believed it. But every day, even in Overeaters Anonymous, I could not do the very thing that I wanted to do, you know. And, and there was a fear. You know, what is it about the fears that, are, that so thoroughly paralyze us, you know. And, you know, that we're not enough. And and yet I've heard it said that, you know, our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. No, our our deepest fear is that with the help of a higher power, we're powerful beyond measure with the help of that higher power in alignment with that higher power. That's my deepest fear, that with that higher power, I'm powerful beyond measure. And it's not it's our light, not our darkness that most frightens me. You know, it's the things that come to light that frightens me, not the darkness. So we ask ourselves, you know, and and, and I did, I did a lot of soul searching, you know, who am I to be thin? Who am I to stop, you know, for someone who's bulimic, anorexic, who am I to stop harming myself through anorexic bulimic behaviors, you know? Who am I to be peaceful and serene in the midst of calamity like COVID and sickness and illness and hurt and breakups and all sorts of things? Who am I to be happy, peaceful, serene in the midst of all that, you know, and who, without the food, which is the only thing that really numbed me out from, from feeling much of anything, right? And who am I to be of service to to my fellows? I fear, what do I have to say that could be helpful to them? How dare me think that I am powerful enough to offer service for other people? I'm not good enough, you know? And actually, who are you not to be those things? You are a, a child of a living creator, a living creator of your own understanding. Nobody comes to OA and says, okay, we have a specific God for you. And if you want in, uh, it's going to be this God. It's going to be my God. No. Or my atheists, you're welcome here. Agnostics, great. We got a big tent. You know, Christian, Jew, Muslim, you know, whatever you are. Or nothing, nothing at all. Your higher power merely needs to be something of your own understanding. Something by way, if it's a creative, universal thing. You know, Bill Wilson, Roseanne, these were not super religious people, you know, they had to just, it's just two requirements that my sponsor always tells me about. That there is a higher power and it's not Larry. It <laughs> can't be Larry. Because if, if it is Larry, we're all screwed, right? We're all in trouble. Because Larry's program, it almost got me killed. I'm quite sure it'll get you killed. So let's not follow Larry's program, right? The higher power is something greater than me. And here we have, uh, my sponsor is also from Chicago originally, and, and he says, you know, here, here we have uh, this big lake that really looks like an ocean. It's called Lake Michigan. It's part of the Great Lakes in the middle of the, the country, kind of, right? And that, if that's your higher power, that's a power greater than me. If that's, if that's a higher power, that's more than sufficient, Right. So I'll get to step eight, but I I think these things need to be said and could be helpful to people because, you know, these steps are, there's a number behind each steps because they are to be done in sequence and they were intended to be done rather quickly, not superficially, but certainly rather quickly because what I always knew was it wasn't if I was going to eat, oh, I was going to eat. I knew how to do that extraordinarily well. It was really a matter of when. So even in OA, I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop. And you know what? It did. It usually did. Because I, I I was not following the program of spiritual action that's found in the steps. They told me things like, you know, meeting makers make it. So 90 meetings in 90 days. Uh, keep coming back. Wait for the miracle to happen. And I did. And I waited for you to change me. And you... I, what is it with you people that you didn't change me? You know, I had expectations. I had great expectations of you. You know, I was reading a, um, a book. This is unrelated, but I'll tell you. I was reading. I'm reading a book. Doesn't matter the book, but it's written by an author, Thomas Mann. Has no, nothing to do with OA or step. And it's a it's a it's a classic novel that was published in 1924. So I'm reading it literally before this meeting, and um, or a little while ago, and I'm reading it. And it's about like relationships with these, these groups of people and, and uh, this particular group of people um, and in the 1800s, early 1900s. And anyway, I'm getting into a little bit on the relationships and this stuff. And all of a sudden, the the protagonist, like the main character, he, um, I don't know what protagonist means, but it sounds right. He, um, like he started talking to this 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 woman that he was falling in love with. And she spoke only French. So I was waiting for, finally, they're having a conversation. And then in the book, at that point, as they're talking, he speaks a little French. Holy crap, it's all in French. It's written all in French. I don't understand a word of French, you know, for pages, like about seven or eight pages. I'm flipping through and I'm like, it's in French. I have to just keep moving on. I, I don't read any of that. You know, I don't understand it. And but then it gets to where it goes back in English, and you know, so it reminded me that this stuff I don't care now. The big book, these actions, these instructions, this instruction manual that got me well keeps me well, right? It can be translated, it's been translated in many languages, but again, back to the language of the heart. You will talk about step eight. You want to learn about step eight? This. It, If we, if the steps themselves are difficult, you're doing them wrong. I say this with love and kindness and compassion. If the steps are difficult, you're doing them wrong. They were never intended to be difficult. Drinking, eating was difficult. That life, difficult. These steps were not intended to be difficult the process by which we move through the steps were not intended to be difficult. If we make it difficult, we're doing it wrong. That's why we can do it quickly for a lifetime. We we need to cross the bridge to freedom. And I never understood that until some people began to speak this language of the heart and they brought the words off the pages of this book, this antiquated old book. And even our beautiful OA literature in a way that I could identify in instead of identify out. And in a way they brought it to life for me, you know, in a way that it made sense to me and it wasn't boring, you know, and they were passionate about it, but they weren't evangelistic. They weren't like hitting me over this big noggin of mine with a big book, like slamming it over my head. right? They weren't doing that. What they were doing was they were just, I could identify in with them. And I saw that there was a sequence to doing these steps. And I saw that I would have to have a change. And they told me though, the good thing is Larry, only one thing needed to change. Oh, thank God, only one thing? What's that? Everything, everything needed to change. All your ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which once dominated you, when you work through these steps, they will be replaced with new ideas, emotions, and attitudes, and you will be dominated by these new ideas, emotions, and attitudes, and, and, and ideas and, and attitudes. And and when you are, you will begin to do esteemable things. You will have the capability of doing esteemable things. People with right-sized self-esteem—they're not too big for the britches. You know, I, I remember the Larry that had a case of the big shotism. Don't you know, like, like I, I, when I tell you that I had greater ambitions in life than to become someone, you know, known a little bit in, in a group called Overeaters Anonymous, really? Like that was, I had other ambitions, right? You know, but, but here I am, you know, and, and, and so there's a humility, there is a There is, when you see people, you can see it in their eyes. You could hear it. It's not just the thinnest person in the room is the healthiest. We know that's not true, right? Or the heaviest person in the room um, is not healthy. We know that's not necessarily true. We're all on a certain trajectory. This program, this spiritual transformation, Bill Wilson used a lot of different words to describe the same thing. He used spiritual awakening. Nah, it's a little too close to God for me. Nah, I think I'll head for Z Hills. You know, I'm not going to hang out for that. Um, but then he used personality change. Okay, I can go with that personality change. How about psychic change? Uh, transformation. He used many words to describe the same thing. Change. Phenomena. Something unexplained. We have a change. I don't know what God is. that that is so above my pay grade. That is so above my IQ. I haven't a clue. But I do choose to believe and I have seen, experienced personally, how my life has changed. It's not like, you know, we work through the steps and then all of a sudden, everything around me is good. And it's like I, I hear trumpets and I see angels. No, that is not. You should see this place. It's a mess right? I live a life. I have challenges. I have, I've had, I've had, you know, relationship breakups, just like you. I've had financial insecurity, just like you. I've had resentments. I There isn't a day that goes by that I don't have, uh, someone doesn't step on my toes. And then I want to retaliate. You know why? Because I will never rise above the level of a human being. I will never rise above the level of a human being. So this recovered state is not nirvana, right? It's not like, but when, when it's simplified in a way that we can understand that for me, being recovered does not mean cured. I'm cured of nothing. But being in a recovered state of being means that I, the obsession to want the foods that were killing me has been lifted. That's it. It doesn't mean that I'm, you know, that I'm, that I'm walking on water or that I'm not susceptible to life. My mother had breast cancer after she was 80. I thought I was recovered. Well, how does that happen? I thought I did the eighth step and the ninth step. That shouldn't happen. Bad bad stuff shouldn't happen to good people like Larry. Baloney. And then I started eating baloney, right? So, you know, we can't. The the, the point is, is that we're not wrapped in some sort of bubble wrap. We have a way of life when we complete this process. Someone gave me the shorthand for the steps, the sequencing of the steps, why they're in order. That was very helpful to me. I'm going to give it to you. Super complex. It's like calculus. Not really. They said steps one, two, and three get you right with God. Steps one, two, and three get you right with God. Steps four through seven get you right with yourself. Steps four through seven are intended to get you right with yourself. Steps eight, and nine, get you right with others. Eight, nine, get you right with others. And then 10, 11, and 12, keep you right with God, with yourself, and with others. 10, 11, and 12 allow you to, to, to enhance and expand your relationship with the higher power of your own understanding. So you stay right with this higher power with yourself and with others. The steps are not nirvana, not, you know, a special special place, but I I am, you know, if you find someone who's in this recovered state, they continue, they carry a message. When asked to serve, they serve, they want to. And then what they do is they don't eat or vomit, excuse me, if you're eating, uh, or vomit or, or any of those behaviors, and they don't do those things happily, peacefully. Right? Now, in OA, my first, it's years ago, but my first few years, I would say if someone, I didn't hear many people saying this because I, I continue to eat, but, and then I would lie to my sponsors, plural sponsors. Um, I was really sponsoring myself in many ways. Um, they told me to take what I want and leave the rest. And so I'm a smart guy. I have a PhD in psychology. I'm going to leave most of it. I'm going to rewrite the big book. <laughs> you know, I'm going to rewrite this thing. And, and just because, you know, I, I, I have better ideas. Oh, my gosh. So so the thing is, is uh, I took what I want and I left most of it. Uh, what did I leave? Uh, any of the stuff that was challenging for me? Uh, like Like being like you know, secrets. You know, there, there were. They, they told me, my sponsor told me there were four impediments to a relationship with the higher power, or in our way of talking, four impediments, barriers to having a, a, an effective spiritual transformation, four barriers, a secret we will not tell. Right? A secret we will not tell. In no particular order. I'm just going to give you the four. Secret we will not tell. Another one is a resentment we won't let go of. Man, did I a resentment I polished it like gold? That resentment towards my mother, sorry, you can't have it, God or anybody, that's mine. You're not taking that from me. A resent too, 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 you know, too embedded in my childhood and all that. A resentment we will not let go of. And a vicarious thrill we won't stop. Man, did it feel good to be dishonest when it served me. Man, did it feel good to be manipulative when it served me. Those were thrills that they they gave me thrills, and I'm not putting those down entirely. Some sort of vicarious thrill I will not put down. And finally, the fourth impediment barrier to recovery, in this sense, was an amend I will not make. No, never. An amend I will not make. And those were the four things. And so I continued to utilize the steps in a way that I still had secrets. I was as sick as my secrets. There were certain amends I'm never making. And I got a thrill out of certain things that I am not putting that down. In fact, it's not going to see the light of day because you're going to ask me to put it down. And how dare you? Who are you to tell me to put it down? So it'll, it'll remain a secret known only unto me. And then amends, you know, as I said, I wouldn't make and and, and on and on. And And I wondered, wait a minute, I'm working the steps. Hello, I'm working these steps. I'm working really hard. Why don't I get this pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? Why am I not, I'm losing weight? Sure I am. Diets work and diets have a beginning and diets have an end. If I am still owned by the disease, and I'm throwing up and I'm putting a, you know, a, a, you know, a spoon down my throat uh, and taking laxatives and just any variety of things that we, we compulsive readers may do or restricting. Um, I might stop doing that. The monkey is off my back. I stopped doing it. But you know what? The circus is still in town. Right? The Monkey's off my back. I, I, I'm abstinent, but the circus is still in town because I haven't, I haven't completed this process. And I, or I did complete the process. I'd begun to have a change. And then I said, uh, I've graduated, man. I'm done. It's graduation time. Come on to my graduation. Uh, it's over there at the Dunkin' Donuts or the McDonald's or the, you know, come, come join me in the, in the drive-through line. That's where my graduation will be held, you know? pounding on the dashboard. How did I get here again? Do you know how many people I talk to that they're like, I, I don't know how I got here again. I had a spiritual awakening. I had sobriety. I had abstinence for one and two and seven and 10 years. I don't know what happened. And they failed to enlarge and enhance their spiritual, uh, their spiritual life through service and self-sacrifice for others. They stopped doing step 10. They stop doing step 11. They don't have a, they, I feel inadequate and shameful to carry a message in step 12, you know, and they stop doing it. And then they wonder the big book warned me. What would happen if I rested on my morals? And I thought all the while, this is kind of like, uh, you know, it's it, no offense to, you know, to Oprah or anybody like that, but I'll just, you know, cause I, I, I respect and admire, Oh my God, you know, but, And maybe she's one of us. I don't know. Maybe not. It's none of my business. But I'm using this. I could use many people in history that we know, famous people that might be, you know, might quack like a duck, might walk like a duck, might just be a duck. I don't know. But, you know, the thing about it is, is is diets are tremendous if you're normal. I'm not normal. How am I not normal? Other than I'm a little wacky. I'm not normal. Because I have both an allergy of the body, which is an abnormal physical reaction to my alcoholic food substance, right? That's a problem, and I'll use this as an example. It's important before we get to step eight. It's important, and we're good on time. So who knows? Hopefully, when people are dropping off, like you know, like flies here, but 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 anyway. Um, but here, here's the thing. If I don't understand and accept who I am, that I have this abnormal physical reaction to my alcoholic food substance, that's problematic. And here's here's the way I would describe it. Maybe you've heard this before, maybe this is the first time you've been in OA for years and you've never heard it said like this. When I ingest any of my alcoholic food substance, my desire for more does not become satisfied as it would with a normal person at some reasonable point. No, my desire for more becomes magnified. My desire for more, when I ingest my alcoholic food substance, my desire for more becomes intensified. My desire for more becomes amplified, it becomes magnified. And that, is, and that happens on a physical level. It's an, in other words, it's an abnormal, you know, maybe one out of 10 people in the world have that. So thus it is abnormal, right? When I ingest those substances, it triggers a phenomenon, a craving. And my you know, my daughter, she can eat anything. And and I'm not, you know, she's not like super thin, but she can eat anything. And I've watched her since she was a little girl. You know how us compulsive readers, we, we we can watch other people. We notice how they eat. Especially now that we're not, you know, we're trying our best not to eat, right? And so we want, And but I one thing I noticed about Beth is she would eat so, something that for you and me might be like an al- alcoholic food substance, right? Like Think about uh, a savory, you know, dessert item or, you know, something salty, savory, crunchy. And within a reasonable period of time, she eats that. She can eat ravenously. I don't know what that word means, but, you know, like she really eats fast and really enjoys that, right? And she can eat that way. But then at some point she's crazy because she becomes disinterested in the food. And she, she becomes disinterested in it. It's as if it's not there. And you and I are looking at her and we're like, what? Don't you see the Doritos? Don't you see the chips? Like we're thinking, can I have that? Like, don't you see that food? She, and she's, you know, Beth, she, she never, uh, once she, has a reasonable amount, whatever that is. She might overindulge a little bit, but she becomes disinterested. I never became disinterested. If I was with you, I've been on dates before. I know it's amazing that I've even been on a date, but I've been on dates before where like the celebrity in the room is the, is the food (laughs) that is the celebrity in the room. I might have a conversation. I might be pretending I'm talking when the disease owned me, it doesn't anymore, but but I would, you know, and, and I would go on these dates and, you know, on occasion, you know, uh, and, and, and I would see the salty, savory, crunchy things and, you know, all that stuff. And it would start talking to me, but I would eat like a gentleman and then I'll eat the way an alcoholic eats, right, when I leave later that night. When I could go back to my home, pull the shades down, and get out my my foods, then I'll eat the way I want to. So it wasn't like every time I couldn't eat like a gentleman. I could, but I jonesed for it. I had you know, I really, those cravings were always there. Okay, so we have that abnormal physical reaction, but that's not the biggest problem. The bigger, far more insidious problem is what we call, and they talk about in the doctor's opinion, the twist of the mind or the obsession, the obsession of the mind. And why is that more insidious? Because even when I'm not eating my food, like let's say we go on a diet and we, we cut out all the alcoholic food stuff and maybe we begin to lose weight, we feel good about it. It's not in our system. The obsession says at some point, I don't care if it's a day, a month, a two months later, we will get a notion, we'll get a bright idea, And about the best idea we had all day was to go out and pick up our alcoholic food substance again, thus triggering the allergy of the body again. And this cycle is repeated over and over and over again. And the big book tells me, unless a person can have an entire psychic change, spiritual awakening, right? As the result of the steps, there is very little hope of his or her recovery you know, and, and, and I'll use another, let's take another example. Another example would be my daughter has a peanut allergy. And she's had a peanut allergy since she was one years old, we noticed that she's got a peanut allergy, and it's deadly. And as she's grown up, you know, and she's grown now, but she's had like an EpiPen, you know, epinephrine. And, and, and the physical uh, consequences of that abnormal physical reaction for someone with a food allergy like that, is throat constriction. Her throat closes up to the size of a pinhole and she will die unless treated with epinephrine. And so she, at this point, carries, we used to carry it around, but she carries an epipen. She has a, most of us don't have a peanut allergy. I'll bet if we asked on the line, maybe if there's, you know, 50 people on the line, maybe one person might have that, maybe two. In other words, it's abnormal. It's not part of the norm. Most of us don't have that. Except here's the thing. Beth only has one component of two. She doesn't have the twist of the mind, the obsession. And so she goes, gets treated if she's accidentally exposed. Her throat opens up and she goes, wow. You can imagine she goes to the doctor in the emergency room. Wow, doc, I I really hate this almost dying thing. (laughs) Like, what what, what do you recommend? And the doctor says, well, Beth, um, just don't eat peanuts. Now, here's the crazy thing. She doesn't ever. She never eats peanuts. Not even when she leaves the emergency room, right? And, 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 and like, she doesn't go over to the, to the local market, the local uh, you know, Walgreens or CVS or market to get peanut M&Ms or some sort of peach. She doesn't, she's not driven to do that because she just has an abnormal physical reaction, an allergy of the body. If she did have an obsession, she would have to go to Peanuts Anonymous to work the 12 steps right so that she can have a spiritual awakening so she can be peaceful and serene and not be driven to get the very thing that was killing her you see so so for us we're the lucky ones you know we have both the allergy abnormal physical reaction and the obsession if we don't understand that we will never be motivated to work the steps as the steps were intended to be worked which is kind of like your hair's on fire quickly. Yes, thoroughly, but you'll have a lifetime to work that. But we have to cross the bridge to freedom. We have to cross the bridge to freedom. So now I'm going to cover step eight, right? I said some things. Eight, I'll talk a little bit about eight. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all, right? Made a list of all persons we had harmed, comma, and became willing to make amends to them all. you know there's a there's an instruction in the big book on, on, uh, on step eight that I swear you snuck in my book when I wasn't looking like I, I didn't see it the first thousand times I read it I didn't see it that you, you, you must have put it in my book on page let's go to page 76 if you happen to have your book if not no no worries I'll read it because you snuck into in my book. And if you go down to the third paragraph on page 76, notice also on page 76, you know, we've completed our inventory in four, right? Our resentments, our fears, our sex conduct, all that stuff. We've given it all away in step five. And then notice on page 76, we have step six, seven, eight, and the beginning of nine. You wonder how quickly we're intended to work the steps? Look at the early AAs. From Bill, Dr. Bob, Bill Dotson. Look at where Roseanne went later. She got back to the core basics of AA as she got back into the food. The very woman that I owe so much to that started OA got back into the food. And she got back to the spiritual program of action for herself to have a spiritual awakening. She began to work the steps quickly. You know? And look at how quickly they worked the steps. And now some people say, what step are you on? I don't know, I might... I'm on step three. Why are you, how long you been? I've been in a year. Why are you still on step three? I don't know. My sponsor told me I I have, I'm not ready. Really? Your sponsor's in charge? Now that's an abuse of power. (laughs) The time to move on to the step is when you completed the preceding one. That's how it was designed, you know? And yet we take time and we don't understand this program of action. And thus, we don't have an, a, an, an effective, sustainable spiritual awakening. You know, it's available to everyone. So with step eight, third paragraph down, uh, with step eight, it says, now we need more action, which, without which we find that faith without works is dead. Let's look at steps eight and nine. So they kind of put them together, steps eight and nine. We have a list of all persons we have harmed and to whom we are willing to make amends. We made it when we took inventory. We subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. Now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. We attempt to sweep away the debris, which is accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves, right? Now, here's the part that you snuck in my book. If we, it's an instruction for step eight. If we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. We ask until it comes. Who are you asking, Larry? Uh, this one, no, you're asking your higher power until it comes, right? Remember, it says, this is critical. Remember, it was agreed at the beginning, and in italics, we would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. We would go to any lengths for freedom over these the food. We would go to any lengths To become untethered from vomiting and laxatives and restrictive eating and other self-harming behaviors, we go to any lengths. Is what we agree to. Willingness is the principle that underlies this step, and so it it gives me that. And you know, now it says again: if we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. God, higher power, whatever. You know, I, I I pray for the willingness. We continue to ask. We can move on to step nine, but we continue to ask. We don't have to stay stuck there. But if we haven't the will <clears throat> to make amends, to become entirely willing um, to make amends, we ask until it comes. Ask the higher power of your own understanding. And we continue to do that. Now, I don't know about you, <clears throat> but there were people on my harms list that probably did more harm to me than I did to them. You know. And I didn't feel like I could make amends to them. And I didn't want to, my mom being one of them, for example, because in some ways she didn't protect me as a child. She was uh, addicted to amphetamines. They called it diet drugs back in the day. Now, you'd love my mother. She's a wonderful, beautiful grandmother. She's in her 80s, nice woman, smart, all the good stuff. But let me tell you, back when she was in her 20s and 30s and all that, she was addicted to amphetamines. Now, we had the cleanest house in the neighborhood. OK, however, um, you know, she was a bit psychotic at times and she didn't protect me. And there was some neglect and there was some, you know, she could be somewhat psychotic at times back then. She's not that way now. We have a beautiful relationship. OK, but back then she was. And when I made this list, you know, I felt she, this woman did more harm to me than I had done to her. And, you know, I told my sponsor this and, and my, my sponsor said, OK, well, here's what I want you to do. Take that list in step eight here, made a list, and divide it into four columns. The first column we'll call right now, right? Amends that you'd make right now. The second column for the purposes of step eight, we'll call later. I'm not quite ready, but later. Yeah, I'm I'm almost there later. The, The third column we'll call maybe, not quite sure. And then the last column is not a freaking chance, or never, right? I'm never making amends to that son of a bitch. No way, right? Now he said, "Now, now that you have that list, that's all good, and you know, continue to pray for the willingness, like the, the 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 instructions gives you. Now that you, now go out and make the amends, and start with those that you love. Maybe they'll, you know, maybe they'll be right nows, and you we can go ahead and make amends to them." And, you know, those that you know, you're going to do it sooner or later, um, but you're not terribly excited about it. Well, you put them under the later column. And those that you're not sure about, I, I don't know if I need to make amends to these people or not, put them under the maybe column, the third column, maybe. And those where there's not a chance in hell, I'm making amends to this guy or this woman, put them under the never missed. So again, you have right now, you have later, maybe, never, right? And he says, you know, and, and, and now then he told me to start making those amends. Make the amends to the right nows. He says, when, when you're through with that list, of the right nows, there's a funny thing that happened to me, he told me. He said, you know, when you're through making the amends to the right nows, you know, you, you, you'd probably be ready to make amends to the, to the uh, laters. He says, and, and, and when you're through with the laters, you might just find by, by immersing yourself in this process that, that some of those maybes moved over to the laters or the right nows. And he was right. And when you get done, you know, with the laters list, you, you, you move on to the maybes, like he said, and then, you know, and then, uh, and then from there, some of those nevers became maybes or laters or even right nows for me. And he said, and if they didn't, we'll move on. We'll move on to you know step 10. When you complete nine, the promises will begin to unfold and you just be prepared. Continue to pray for the willingness just as it said you should. It gave specific instructions and then you might find a year from now at some point that if you ask for the willingness, it may just come and you know he was right. He was absolutely right. That is precisely what happened to me. And uh, so step eight was this list. I had the list for my inventory and, you know, and it was, it was beautiful. I mean, it was beautiful to, to, and I'll, I'll close with this because we're wrapping up here in just a bit. Step eight is a simple step. They're simple, right? Simple, but not easy. A price had to be paid. It is simple though. It's not calculus. I want to talk about being, I want to wrap up with being in the arena of program being in the arena because it's, you know, I've heard it said, it's not the critic who counts in this situation, not the person who points out when we stumble. See, the credit belongs to the man or woman who is actually in the arena by the grace of their higher power, I would I would suggest to you, with the power that's given. They've accessed power through through this process, but that credit belongs to them who's in the arena. The person who's working the steps, they're in the arena. They're trusting the process. Trusting, I trusted a process, as you're trusting a process, that I didn't even yet believe in. But I knew it was the last house on the block. And the person who put the food down, entire abstinence, that, you know, whose face is marred, you know, by dust and sweat and blood and tears at times, kind of, right? And, and, and the person who shows up and does the tough work, it's not the critic. It's not the person who's critical catching you doing something wrong. It's the person. So, so, so this place, this, this state of being called recovery um, should never be, you know, with those who are cold and timid, you know, those cold and timid souls who, who are just kind of neither, you know, they know neither victory or defeat. They're just kind of on the sidelines. They're on the sidelines, you know, this isn't for people on the bench to use kind of a sports analogy. You know, you're on the bench and you're rooting for the team. Oh, I see you out there dribbling the ball or, you know, or or in, you know, in, in, but, but I, a jersey? Oh, no, no, no. I'm right here comfortable on the bench. No, I'm all supportive. I've got the literature. I read it. I come to every game. Yeah, go ahead and put on a jersey. Get in the game. No, 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 no. No, 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 that, no. That, that's not for me. Thank you. Right? Get in the game. Have the courage to get in the game and put on a jersey. Otherwise, you're welcome here because the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. You could sit your butt in a chair and do nothing and you'd be in good company. Many people don't do anything, but they complain and they, you know, and they wonder, when is it my turn? As if this is some sort of time served. They, no, it's not. I learned that through bitter experience. You know, mm-hmm. um, put a jersey on. Have the courage. You're worth it you're worth it. you know. We're all a child of a living creator. So that's my final message. I've, I've talked enough and um, I guess with that, thank you again for the opportunity. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your experience, strength and hope with us today. We will now transition into a question and answer segment. I'd like to introduce Julie, who is our moderator for today.
2: Thank you, Francesca, and, and thank you, Larry. My name is Julie and I'm a compulsive overeater and your moderator for today. Please continue to send questions um, in the chat directly to me and, and we'll get through as many as, as we can today. Our first question, actually, it's a request. If um, Larry, would you please repeat the four impediments to recovery slowly? So we can, someone was very riveted and they, uh, you know, put down their pens so they can clearly listen, but they would like to write them down.
1: Sure. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. So the, the impediments to recovery, the impediments to a relationship with the higher power that, we're, that is recovery through these steps. The first one is uh, a resentment we will not let go of. Resentment we won't let go of. Oh, so I think someone's posting it. Thanks, Joanne. A secret we will not tell. So if you go into the chat, it'll be there. Thank you. So it takes a village. A secret we will not tell. A vicarious thrill we will not stop. And an amend we will not make. So Joanne is being kind enough to put it in the chat. So I'll I'll repeat it again. If you don't have access to the chat, you should be able to get it in there. Take a screenshot of it. Do you want me to say it again? Or um, is that good in the chat there?
2: Yes, that's good. Thank you. And thanks, Joe. The next question is, would you please talk a bit more about um, how to open the willingness to make amends? You know, if you're feeling any resistance or trepidation, but how how to become willing to make amends?
1: Yeah, I've heard, you know, I've heard my sponsor says, I don't know if I agree entirely, but he says, you know, willingness is overrated. (laughs) He's kind of a black and white sort of cut and dry willingness is overrated. We're either, you know, I'm either picking up the book or I'm not put down the food or I don't, you know, this guy was 700 pounds. So I, I, I pay homage to those that have, that have worked this program that know uh, a bottom that I never knew. Okay. So I, I take what he says very seriously because he's, he got it through his bitter experience. He says, willingness is overrated. Now I'm a much more, I'm much more kind than him, (laughs) you know, so not really, but so, so what I would say is, you know, I continue, there are things that, you know, I'm just, I'm not willing, I'm not willing yet. There, there have been things and I continue to pray for the willingness, right? And, um and this program is about uncovering, discovering, and discarding that which is not serving us or a higher power or our fellows anymore, uncovering, discovering, and discarding. So why I mention that is because when I have an issue with willingness, the most counterintuitive thing works for me, which is, because when I'm, when I'm feeling frustrated with not being willing to do something, I'm doing something that I do not want to do, or I'm not doing something that I absolutely know I should be doing, I do the most counterintuitive thing, which is I go help somebody. And, and, and I I get out of the self-absorption, you know, I, we become so self-absorbed. I always want to talk about me and my job and my boss and my children or child and my, me, my, and, and, and I have this wonderful committee of me, myself, and I, and I can't stop thinking about this committee that I meet with every day, all day long. And the monkey chatter in my head, the circus is in town, right? And, and then, you know, I feel shameful that I should be willing, I should be ready to be willing. You know, that's where I think the willingness being overrated thing maybe is good is just, you know, if, if you're not going to do it, don't do it, you know, move on and try to help someone. Um, try to implement these steps to the best of your ability. I have found great serenity in knowing that there's a timing and a rhythm to this for each of us. I did not have a white light spiritual transformation and unfolding of this thing. For me, it wasn't a flip the switch thing. It was more kind of like a dimmer switch. My dimmer switch comes up and every so often it comes down a little bit. Then it goes up a little bit. So I would try not to get so caught up in that immersed in yourself in that and just move, move on, take the next right action, you know, keep continue to pray to the higher power of your own understanding for that wellness. I hope that helps in some way.
2: Thank you, Larry. Uh, the next question is how do, how do I know when there's a harm done in step eight? Um, you know, if, if I feel responsible for everything, how do I know what my part
1: is in the harm done? Okay. Well, well, you know, when following these instructions and I, sometimes examples help here. So I use my mother. I was victimized as a child. There are people on this line, perhaps, that have been, they've, they've been raped. They have been abused as children. They've been molested. They've been, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people, you know, that had traumatic, traumatic stuff. I was truly victimized, you know? And so for me, You know, um, when I began to, for example, using my mother, which was one of the greatest resentments, um, I think I had to move away and I needed good sponsorship. Steps eight and nine, nine in particular, we need a Sherpa that has been, has traveled this dubious road, has trudged through these steps and as a way of life to guide us. You know, on that we don't want to go it alone. We need good orderly direction there. I know I did. So what what came to mind through good help was, you know, it wasn't the original offense, Larry. When you were eight, it wasn't necess- But but you are no longer eight. Nor are you eighteen, or twenty-eight, or maybe even thirty-eight. And now. The harms done were I, was, I became distant, I withheld love, you know, my mother had begun to change and I was gonna get my pound of flesh for a lifetime. It was like being with her was like drinking, you know, the poison myself that was corroding me from the inside and expecting her to die. We drink the poison, Every day, it's not affecting her necessarily. I'm drinking the poison; it's corroding me from the inside, and I'm expecting this person to, you know, to be in pain. And as soon as I began to understand that I, I, the harms that I had done were not from the original offense necessarily, um, but it was what I had become in the way that I became emotionally distant to not only her but to other people. You know, and I needed to be able to see that I needed a Sherpa. We call that person a sponsor and it needed to be someone who began through their own. It's an experiential thing to understand and be able to give me some good guidance. And there were many others that gave me good, good, good direction there. So I hope that I hope that um, clarifies a little bit.
2: Thank you. Perfect. Um, the next question is, can we put ourselves on the unbends list? And if yes, how would we, how would we do that?
1: Or how would we do okay. it Well, list? you know, the, the big book doesn't, um, doesn't give instructions to put yourself on the list. However, uh, I get it when people are like, oh my God, I hate myself. I have such self-loathing about myself that I am, you know, my biggest resentment. Okay. And 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 I understand that, right? And so some people advocate for putting yourself on the list. I've heard someone recently at a meeting say you should be number one on your list. I'm gonna give you an opinion. It's funny, people in, I'll say as a caveat, people in program are more than willing to give you opinions. Unfortunately, the opinions of drunks and addicts and food, you know, you know, binge eaters are will not get you well. <laughs> What's going to get you well is the instructions for working these steps. All that being said, here's a food addict that's going to give you his opinion. What occurred to me was they told me that my my problem was I have a problem and it's not food. My problem is Larry, right? My problem is selfishness and self-centeredness. And that even though I may have low self-esteem at times that if i work these steps that this higher power will bring me up where i need to be brought up and perhaps right size me and bring me down where i need to be down i would be right sized right through the implementation of these steps so if you say oh, i just there's nothing i just feel i'm just a horrible i hate myself there is no it's just a then okay you know you, you but what strikes me in my opinion so the way I'm going to solve this problem of selfishness and self-centeredness, which is at the very root of my trouble, my spiritual malady, is I'm going to focus on myself. <laughs> you know, that strikes me. And I laugh. I don't mean to, you know, to, to laugh at the irony of that. That you know, Really, uh, you know, again, my sponsor, who's not as kind as me, he'll say, you shouldn't be on the list. You know, don't worry. God will. You, you follow the instructions. People, we have harmed. Other people we have harmed, making amends to them all. We 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 straighten out, uh, we clean up our side of the street for the harms that we have caused. We get good guidance from someone. So he would say, no, don't put yourself on the list. If you decide to do that, the rule of sixty-two. Uh, the rule of sixty-two. I was told this, you know, is you know when when we make mistakes, don't worry. If you you know if you if you do something, uh, you're not you know. You're not that important, <laughs> Larry. You're not that important. We we make mistakes. You're human. If that turns out to be something that you do and it, you know, if it works out for you, great. If it doesn't, that's okay. You know, you find your way. Yeah. So I hope that helps. Perfect.
2: Thank you. We've still got more questions for you. So you're not off the hook yet. Okay. <laughs> uh, so this is a specific how to go about with a specific amends um, scenario here. So a woman, um, had, you know, traded in her car and she knew there was a slow leak in the car. And when they asked her if there's anything wrong, she said no. And so now she's working, this was years ago, and now she's working on the amends and she feels terribly guilty and she's carrying a lot of guilt about this. Um, but she's she's also fearful of how much money this might've grown to be and afraid of her husband, you know, being angry. So. You know, how she does have a sponsor she's working through with us, but they're really not sure how to uh, how to go through.
1: Yeah, well, the instructions, I'll go back to the instruction in the book. We make direct amends, which means face to face. That's what I was taught. It, and obviously, we can't always make it face to face. Someone's dead. I can't make it face to face. Someone lives in another state. I, I might not be able to make it face to face. Right. But wherever possible, we make a direct amends face to face. Except when to do so would injure them or others. I, if I were guiding you, I would say, "No, you can make amends for this." You, the we make amends. Remember, we make amends for ourselves. Seems counterintuitive. No, I'm I'm, I'm cleaning up my side of the street too for forgiveness. For no, no, no. Uh, there were many people that did not forgive me. Uh, leave me the hell alone, <laughs> and I did, <laughs> right. Yeah you know so 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 uh, forgiveness and reconciliation are not necessarily a part of this now that being said my guidance would be in this case using the book as the instruction manual here cuz it just says nothing about that i recall about slow leaks or anything like that but it does give me a general understanding that you know this is keeping you blocked off from the sunlight of the spirit these types of things right And so because it is, someone else, it might not as much, but for you, it is. You feel guilty about it. You lied. Okay. Uh, We have a name for people like you that do that. Human being, right? That's our name for you. Uh, People do that. I've done that, right? And so, you know, what would be so terrible? If we had the courage in the midst of the fear, the fear of your husband, the fear of, you know, what what are they going to do and the cost? If you go there and, and and just, you know, and maybe you practice it with this, you write it down as a letter first, and you begin to practice a little bit, and you say, you know, I'm in I'm in a process of change here. By the way, this was years ago. It's probably who knows if the business is there, if it's there, is it the same guy? Well, whatever it is, doesn't matter. Um, I stole money from a cash register at an age when I knew better. I, I made direct amends for that. It didn't go the way I thought it would, much better than I thought it would. Um and I'm glad I had guidance from a good sponsor. And so you go there and you say, you know, I'm in this process of change. I'm in a program of change. And one of the things is, is that we, you know, we kind of make a list of people we had harmed or entities that we've harmed. And we go and we go out to the best of our ability and clean up our side of the street. It's just one of the things. And so here I am. Would you, would you make some time for me? I'll I'll be brief uh, just so I can, you'd be helping me. You'd be helping me if you'd allow me to do this. That's what I said to the owner of the liquor store I worked at at 23 years of age, where I stole money. Okay. And generally, they, they you know, if they say no, you can't. <laughs> Probably won't happen. They'll say, okay, sure. If it's a help to you, terrific. Thank you so much. And when you go there, you tell them. You tell them. You know, listen. I I'm in this process of change. That's what I'm doing. And, uh, and you know, a year ago or several years ago, I, I knew there was a slow leak in my tire and they asked me about it. And I just kind of pretended like I, I didn't know, and, I, and I'm feeling bad about it. And, and, you know, and I want to make amends, which means change. I'm not that person anymore. However, I, I want to make amends, uh, to, you know, uh, I gotta, I, I, you know, I, you know, you just, boom, that's what you do. You don't over talk. You just say, what can I do to make this right? Odds are, they're going to tell you, oh my God, I, I, I'm amazed that you're gonna, that's odds are that's going to happen because it happened to me and it's happened to many others. Wow. They're going to have great respect for you. But let's just say it doesn't go that way. Real, you did that. Oh my God, you horrible person. You should be in prison. Let's just go with the Absurd. You still made amends and you said, what can I do to make that right? And let's just say, well, they get out the calculator. It's not going to happen. But okay, they get out the calculator, carry the two, the the interest, and this happened 20 years ago. Uh, You owe us $5 billion or some some crazy figure, right? Um, We make reasonable terms. Trust me, that's not going to happen. We make reasonable terms. We had to be willing. People have gone to jail. They were willing. How free do you want to be? You will feel a sense of relief. You will be able to, to drive by that, that auto you know, tire store with your, held, with your head held up high, whether they forgive you or they don't, whether they understood or they didn't, whether they allowed you to make financial amends or not, you will be free. It's for you. So I hope that's the guidance I would give you. I hope that helps. Thank you.
2: So easy one here for you. Um, what's the rule of 62?
1: Don't take yourself too seriously, Larry. Uh, th- that yourself. was, I, I was moderating a meeting, a big meeting vision for you the first time many years ago, uh, now I could say a few years ago. And I, I, I think as I was moderating, I was picking up my daughter's coffee at Starbucks and I wasn't muted. Uh, let me have the um, the triple chocolate, super duper, extra large grande uh, with the extra peppermint and the candy sprinkles. And everyone heard that. And I was like mortified, right? Something like that. I'm probably overstating it. And uh, uh, I was like, oh God. And they're like, they know my voice. It's mostly women at that stage, especially. And it's like, uh, Larry, you're, you're unmuted. <laughs> and then my beautiful Leah m a great mentor to me from afar, sent me a text saying rule of sixty two don't don't take yourselves too seriously <laughs> you know with with a nice smiley face and since then i i I passed that on to other people so that's the rule sixty two
2: Got it thank you yep. um, so another question um and we are Sorry, I'll, I will go ahead and um, it, it's, it's getting near to the end of the question answer session. We have five minutes left. So um, I do have another question to put up there, but there is time if you would like to send me um, some more. But this next question, um, what if I'm not willing to forgive the other person? Can I keep going with, this, with step nine And what do you do to forgive people in your
1: past? Okay, Um, so first off, again, sticking to the instructions in this book, it tells me to pray for the willingness. It doesn't say pray for the willingness until it comes and stay in the quicksand of step eight. Do not dare pass go to nine. How dare you even think that? My, My book doesn't say that. I don't know if yours does. It doesn't say that at all. It just says, pray for the willingness, move on to step nine, start making the amends. The willingness will come, I have found, if we're open. I'm not the same man I was, but I'm not the same man I was a year ago, even though I've, I've, I've had the blessing of recovery for a number of years. I continue to change. The perceptive lens in which I see the world continues to change. God, The God of my understanding, the higher power of my understanding is not done with me. You know, and, um, and I don't even know, the, the God of my misunderstanding is not done with me, whatever the heck this is, right? And so move on, move on, yep. Uh, was there a second part that I missed on that? I can't remember. Um, no, that's excellent,
2: okay. thank you. Um, so another question is, uh, many people tend to um, throw steps eight and nine together. Um, and so how do you separate step eight and
1: step nine? Well, I just found the instructions of the book. You know, it, it, it says, let's move on to steps eight and nine, which means that this is, you know, from back in early AAs, they, were, they called it making restitution for harm's done. They didn't call it making amends, but we get the idea, right? In order to make restitution, we, we need to know who we're making restitution to, what person, what organization, what entity, you know, so we have a list, (laughs) you know, so step eight, uh, my sponsor, I think, I think it took about, and I'm not exaggerating. It took a grand total of about maybe four or five minutes and we didn't belabor it. It's your list is in your, you know, people you'd harmed now to someone who's now reevaluating wait, I put them down, I, I, I listed in my last column on resentments, Uh, you know, of of people that I had done some harm, irrespective of whether they harmed me, I listed my character defects, where I, you know, and and not that I harmed everyone that I resented, that's not true. But but I listed those harms, and it should be easy to determine who you harmed. And if you're uncertain, the big book tells us, gives us the instruction, right? Which is to say, you know, keep moving forward. Uh, So eight is a very simple process. Nine takes a little bit more time, but there should be a time limit on nine, because if you view step nine, keep in mind when you get to 10, 11, and 12, which for a lifetime is a way of life, a skill set in which really to work all the steps as a way of life. So it says continue. Continue to take our personal inventory. And when we were wrong, promptly admit it. Continue. Step 10. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our, continue our conscious contact with God as we understood God, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And then 12, yeah, there is the twelve step. It's not an 11-step program. Having had a change, having had a personality change, a spiritual awakening, as what? As the result of the steps, we tried to carry the message to other compulsible readers and practice these principles in all our affairs. We're not, a, we're not saints, so steps eight and nine kind of go together, but um, the list shouldn't take you long. You got it. You have it already written down in four, and even if you leave something out, you have 10, 11, and 12 that if something comes to mind over the course of the rest of your life, as it did for Bill, Dr. Bob, Roseanne, and many others, they didn't. You think that their you know, step eight and nine was perfect? There is no Perfect. Right. This is this is a way of life for a lifetime. So, I hope that answers it a little bit.
2: Thank you, Larry. Um, This is probably our last question. Uh, So, some people in program have suggested redoing all twelve steps on a regular basis, not just ten through twelve. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, absolutely. You know, some people, the, the, you know, the book doesn't say, you know, all it says is that we have, we, we, if we fail to enlarge our spiritual life through service and self-sacrifice for others, we'll probably drink again. We'll probably eat again. We have to continue. But I know many people, including myself, that, you know, have been prompted to go through the steps. But here's a secret. Please don't tell anybody this secret. This is only for people that live in Australia and everyone else that's on the line. Every time I work the steps with someone else, I'm working them myself. Every time I'm teaching as this bozo, you know, just another person that, that, that was given this gift, this grace, um, I'm, 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 I'm reiterating what's important to me in working these steps. But every time I take someone through the steps, I'm working them as well. So you really become where you have to teach it. I'm not saying on a broad scale, but you work in one-on-one with someone, you know, you're teaching it and then it becomes part of you, you own it. It's yours, this way of life, this spiritual way of life. So um, yeah, that makes sense if it does.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Larry. It is now 10 minutes to the hour and our Q&A time has come to an end. I will now hand the meeting back over to our chairperson, Francesca. Thank you, Francesca.
0: Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Larry. Thank you everyone so much um, for your service and coming here today. A reminder that a Design for Living Big Book OA meeting is a daily meeting. We are based out of Melbourne, Australia um, Monday through Friday, we start at 6.30 a.m. Melbourne, Australia and um, Saturday and Sunday, 7.30 a.m. Our next monthly speaker series will be held on August 8th, Step 9. We hope to see you there. Please check out our website for more information, www.ad4l.info. In closing, I would like to thank you for all your service. Uh, in coming here today. By following the 12 steps, attending meetings regularly, and using the OA tools, we are changing our lives. You'll find hope and encouragement in Overeaters Anonymous. To the newcomer, we suggest attending at least six different meetings to learn the many ways OA can help you. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. Please remember our commitment to honor each other's anonymity. What you hear here, whom you see here, when you leave here, let it stay here. Hear, hear. here. <laughs> Let's all reach out uh, by phone or email to newcomers, returning members, and each other. Together we get better. To, the, to, close, to close the meeting, will Greg T. please unmute and read the promises, which will be posted in the chat section for people to follow along.
3: Will do, Francesca, thanks. Hi, my name is Greg, uh, recovering compulsive eater and the promises. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them.